0: two weeks if you if you if you missed if you didn't hear it make sure that when you leave that you listen to the previous two weeks on our archive you can watch the live stream Uh, there's a Refuge Church YouTube channel. We're on Facebook. You can go right to refugechurchonline.com. Several ways that you can, you can even subscribe so that the future messages you get notified. Um, Feel free to share these messages, Uh, not because I'm trying to make a name for myself nationally, but because I believe I'm sharing biblical truths. And people are asking, especially right now with what's going on in our nation, people are asking the question, does God have a plan for my salvation? And so we're looking biblically at this. So share Share it on social media so maybe somebody that has this question will watch and go, oh, wow, okay, I see scripturally what his plan is. Week one, we looked at repentance, about that about face, that turning from sin, that, that repentance. Last week, we looked at water baptism, and we saw that according to scripture, God called us to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by immersion for the remission of our sins. And so, again, don't take my word on it. I plead, don't. Go look and listen and look through every scripture and see what you personally find. Don't just take my word on anything. I don't take it personal. If you say, I'm going to go check this out, you go check it out. Do your research because you'll find what I shared last week was true and biblical. But today, we're going to wrap up with the last part of God's plan for our salvation in the initial. Now, of course, there's sanctification. There's a continued growth process as we walk with Christ. It's not just check these three boxes and now I'm good to go and I can go do whatever I want for the rest of my life. No, there should still be growth there. There should be the fruit of our spirit or the fruit of his spirit. But this is that initial, initial plan, and that is in regard to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. When I say Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost, same concept, same thing. And where did this concept of the Holy Ghost start? Because I think that when you talk about repentance, most mainstream denominations are like Repentance, cool, I understand that. You talk about water baptism, the methods and the name and the approach might change with churches, but overall, water baptism is pretty standard in the denominational world. But now you talk about the infilling of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, receiving the Holy Ghost, and this is where some people are like, whoa, okay, you lost me there. Now you're getting into the New Age stuff. But what if it's not New Age? New Age. Matter of fact, it's ancient. Don't take my word on it, because I know sometimes if you're introduced to a spiritual concept that you're not familiar with, we can be like, eh, uh, not, not what I was raised with, not what I was taught, eh, hang on, don't go there, that's weird. But as I said about other parts of God's covenants through the years, if you had never seen a rainbow and all of a sudden six colors just randomly came across the sky, you'd be like, that's weird, what in the world is that? But if you've been raised with it, you're accustomed to it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a rainbow. What's wrong with you? Yep. So someone that's been raised maybe in, a, in what I would say a Pentecostal church or a spirit-filled church, speaking in tongues, feelings filled with the spirit, oh, yeah, that's like the rainbow in the clouds. Absolutely. But if you're just walking in or tuning in online, you're like, whoa, hang on a minute here. Well, I'm actually really happy that you came today and that you tuned in because this is not going to be, this is what we teach in this church. This is what our organization does. No, no, we're just going to open scripture. And there's going to be more scripture today than I would even typically preach from on a Sunday morning. And we're going to go through this. And I encourage you to write these things down, type them out in your phone. Because again, if you're like, hold on, I got to look into this. Please do. Please do. Because don't just follow something blindly because I'm in the pulpit and I'm a pastor telling you to do it. No, no, no. Check it out for yourself. You will see that God wants to fill you with his spirit. But let's have a look. It's not a new age thing. It's not even something that was thought up by the d- disciples in the New Testament. The spirit of God filling his people was actually prophesied about thousands of years ago in the Old Testament. Jeremiah, because of Israel's disobedience and backsliding from God's intentions for his people, God's covenant, because he's a covenant God, God had his covenant with his people had deteriorated so much that what was left was with his people, the Israelites, it was a ritualistic relationship at best. They fell short of God's desire. Many Old Testament prophets railed against the coldness of Israel's heart and called for them to repent. They spelled doom and gloom over and over and over again. God, though, says, I'm going to revolutionize my relationship with my people. Back then, they were just had an Old Testament tabernacle and they were killing animals and working through this ritualistic thing, but it to Calvary. And so now, Jeremiah, though, he gets up in this Old Testament book, and he's an Old Testament prophet, and look what he says in Jeremiah 31, verse 31. He said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new... It's not here yet. He says, I will make a new covenant. You guys are living in this covenant faith-based relationship with me, works-based relationship, really. And he says, but then he goes on, he says, not according, verse 32, to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Notice he keeps using the word covenant, 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 covenant. He says, it's not going to be the same covenant that they have. I brought them by the hand out of Egypt and they broke it anyway. And he says, and Although I was an husband to them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make not yet now in the house of, with the house of Israel, after those days saith the Lord. I'm going to put my law, not the law of Moses that you've been talking about. I, that's 613 commandments that you've been trying to find, follow all the ritualistic stuff. But now you know what I'm going to do? That was a different covenant. I'm going to have another, a new covenant coming where I'm actually going to write the law on their inward parts and write it in their hearts. Well, how in the world is that going to happen? you going to start writing the law inside of me on my inward parts? And he says, I'm going to be their God and they're going to be my people. Remember, God always being a covenant God is saying, I always, this was the old covenant. I got a new covenant. It's always going to be covenant based. And then Joel, another Old Testament prophet in the New Testament was when Peter, we read this last week, when he was preaching to the, on the day of Pentecost, and he's talking about being filled with the spirit and baptized in the name of Jesus. He quotes from this Old Testament prophet named Joel. Joel and he says and he quotes this this exact passage from the old testament Joel 2:28 and 29 it shall come to pass afterward meaning it's not yet here but there's a day coming That I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And you know what? Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon my servants and upon handmaids, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon everybody. This was crucial because although Joel's primary audience was the Old Testament covenant uh, uh, people, the Israelites in He anticipated a new covenant, and the Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh, including those of the less respected in society. Because back then, yes, if you were an Israelite man, absolutely, it's for you. But now he's saying, no, 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 it's going to be for Gentiles. It's going to be for servants. It's going to be upon the handmaids, men and women. It's going to be for everybody. It's not here yet, but God's saying, I'm going to speak through my prophet that I have a plan to give everybody my spirit. Isaiah and Ezekiel say the same thing in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36, he says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I, not yet, but I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to take away a stony heart out of your flesh. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And he says, and I, verse 27, I will put my spirit within you Wow, all these Old Testament prophets are saying the same thing. It's not here yet, but God's got a plan. He's gonna write the law in your inward parts. He's gonna put his spirit within you. He's got a plan that he wants to be with you. He wants to write, it's the, it's, he doesn't want it to be ritualistic anymore. And I think we're living in a day and age right now where society does not want religion to be ritualistic anymore. People are looking for something. That's why they're lining up in the cold, waiting to get into buildings going, God's moving here, I wanna feel this. God's moving here. I want to see what this looks like because we're living in a day and age where people want something real. And so, as Brother Stone King would say, you've got it. We see God's prophet Isaiah. He starts talking about it. And Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. He says, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people, to whom they said, this is the rest wherein you, wherewith ye, you may cause the weary to rest. And this is refreshing, Like they, yet they would not hear. He's saying, listen, I got a plan. I'm going to put my spirit in your inward parts. I'm going to write it on your heart. You're going to have the law in your inward parts. And I'm going to give you stammering lips. They're going to point to this. Now, we can sit and say, yeah, I don't know. This is not a new age thing. This is an ancient thing. John the Baptist walks on the scene in Matthew 3.11. And people start following John the Baptist. And he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me, it's not here yet. But there's one coming after me. Mightier than I am. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He, that guy that's coming after me, is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Interesting. Old Testament tabernacle, pillar of fire, went above the building to say that God's spirit was in that building. John the Baptist says, somebody's coming after me that's going to give you the Holy Ghost with fire. When they get the Holy Ghost in Acts 2, they receive the Holy Spirit and cloven tongues like as fire sat upon each of them. Wow. It's almost as though this was always God's plan and all the prophets along the way saw it and said, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And that's why God doesn't just want to dwell in a building, in a tabernacle, and say, put it among my people. Let them know that I'm there. I'm not in them, but I'm among them. That wasn't good enough for God. He says, I don't want to just be among my people. I want to be in my people. And that's why when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says, what know ye not your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's saying, he's not dwelling in just a facility anymore. God is saying, I have a plan that I, I've been telling people forever. I've been saying, I want, I want to write my law in your inward parts. It's coming, stammering lips, another tongue. I want to dwell. And then Paul says, yep, why? Because the building is not the place that houses the Lord anymore. Our body becomes the building. He wants to be filling you with his spirit. Jesus look what Jesus says in the gospel of John Jesus was preparing his disciples again go ahead write these passages down if you want to look into them don't take my word on it feel free to check it out Jesus is preparing his disciples for his imminent departure in John 14:16 records he says I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that ye may abide that he may abide with you forever why because they're going Hang on a second here. I I, I gave up everything to follow you. Now here we are. I gave up my livelihood. I'm traveling with you. I love the miracles, the great things we're seeing. And now you're talking about leaving? Whoa, hang on a minute. This is not a good idea. I want you to stay with me. And he's going, just chill. The Gary Dornbach 21st century version. He says, I'm going to give you a comforter. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him. And he dwelleth, meaning it's happening right now. He dwelleth with you. And shall be, meaning not yet. Right now he's dwelling with you. But he shall be in you. Meaning I'm walking with you right now. I'm your comfort right now. But I'm sending you another comforter that's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. Because that's always been his plan. And he says, yet I, but then he looks at me, says in verse 18, listen, guys, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. His disciples were so worried, and he's talking about this comforter. And just in case, they go, well, who's the comforter? What's this comfort stuff? I don't understand. He clarifies it in verse 25. He says, these things I've spoken unto you being yet present with you. But the comforter, just in case you missed it and didn't get it, Scripture clarifies it just like Jesus did for Nicodemus in the story we're going to look over in a second. He says, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost... Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He's going, listen, the plan was always to write the law on your inward parts for not to be ritualistic. I'm with you. You're taking your comfort from me. But I'm here to die on a cross, pay a price for your sins. I'm going to ascend to heaven. But don't be so disappointed and bummed out because my plan is and always has been not to just walk with you or be among you, but to be in you. I want to fill you with my spirit. Why? Because he doesn't want you just coming to a location to feel his presence and power. You don't have to wait until Sunday at 2 o'clock to feel the presence and power of Jesus. When he fills you with his spirit, Monday morning you can begin to pray and God's spirit is in you. Tuesday morning you're going in for an interview and you can say, God, I need to be spirit-led right now. I don't want to wait to feel your presence and power until Sunday afternoon. I'm the church. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. Before Jesus is crucified, we talked about this in previous weeks, he comes in and there is a a member of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee who comes to him at night, his job's on the line if he goes in the daytime. So he comes to him at nighttime and he's going, all right, I need to talk to you. Go to John chapter three, verse, uh, John chapter three, verse three, I think is where we start off. He, he comes to him and he says, he says, I know that you're a teacher and I know that you're sent from God and I know that you're special. And, and Jesus looks and says, hey, Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he cannot enter or cannot see the, the kingdom of God. And so verse four, Nicodemus is confused by this. And he says, well, how can a man, when he's old, he goes and gets born a second time, does he go back in his mom's womb? Like, this is confusing, Jesus. What are you trying to say to me here? I know that you're powerful, and that's why I'm sneaking here at nighttime. I don't want anybody to see. But I I know something's real about you, so I want some more information. And so this isn't making sense to me. And so if you're here and you're seeing people worship God and cry and pray and speak in tongues and all this stuff, then maybe you're going, whoa, I haven't seen this. Just know you're in good company. There's a lot of great people in the Bible that they went and they hung out with people. They're like, I don't understand this, please. Even the disciples who Jesus handpicks, at times they're going, help help my faith. I want to believe. I'm not understanding. This isn't making sense to me. And Jesus loves that. If you're hungry, you don't have to understand everything. But if you're hungry and you say, God, I might not understand it, but I want it. I want to be closer to you. He will meet you where you are at. And so, and so he says, how can I do this? This doesn't make sense. And so Jesus clarifies in the next verse. He says, in Nicodemus, except a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's not my words. That's Jesus' words. If you're, it doesn't matter what denomination you are. If you're a Bible believer, you would at least acknowledge, go, oh, my goodness. I can't enter God's kingdom without being born of the water and spirit. So now the argument comes in, what's the water? Well, we talked about that all last week. But now what's the spirit? How am I born of the spirit? Well, look what Jesus goes on to say next verse, verse six. That which is uh, is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So he's clarifying that although we walk in this world, there's a spiritual world and a fleshly world. And then he says in verse seven, marvel not, don't be shocked, don't be surprised. Marvel not that I say unto you, that you must be born again. Nicodemus knew the Old Testament. He would have had to have memorized, okay, much of the Old Testament as as a Pharisee. Jesus is saying, you don't have to be shocked by this. Nicodemus, what have you been reading? What have you been studying? Look at all the Old Testament prophets. You know what I'm saying has always been my plan. And then he goes in verse eight, he says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is it with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Wow. See, the wind, you can say, I bust God. I'm not believing in the wind. I can't measure. I can't put it in a bottle. I can't see it. He's going, it don't matter. You can go ahead and argue against the wind. I was out yesterday trying to do some stuff around my house, and I'll tell you, the wind is real. It is real. But he says, hey, so it is, it's just like this with the Spirit. You might not be, uh, the wind, there's, there's the sound thereof. And, and you might not be able to bottle it up or, or maybe always prove it. But he's, but, he's like, you know what? With, with, with the sound of the Spirit, it's as, oh, wow, this sounds interesting. Paul, or Peter, when they get the Holy Ghost, he said it was like a rushing mighty wind. It's almost as though, Jesus filled Paul Peter with the Spirit and he gets up and this whole thing was always his plan. But anytime someone receives the Spirit, notice there's a sound. And so he, he begins to break this down for him and just believing does not produce a sound. Because some people say, all you have to do is just believe and you're saved. Belief is crucial to salvation. But show me any biblical instances where someone believed something and did not obey it or follow through or be a doer of the word. I can believe all I want, okay? I could, give, I could have went up to Jackie on my first day I met her and that beautiful woman in that lunch line and said, I believe you are going to be my wife. Well, she probably would have been like, I believe you need to get out of my face and you're freaking me out. No, because believing does not just, no, when there's a belief, there is action, there is follow through, there is obedience. When a baby's born, if there's no sound from that child in the delivery room, doctors and medical staff would be very concerned. Now, I am not as Prolific, as some of our professors who teach labor and delivery here. But I think I'm smart enough to know if a baby's born and there's no cry, there's no sound, we're going to be calling some codes and we're going to be calling some people and you're going to see some people running in and freaking out because that's not the way it's supposed to go. Well, when we're talking about new birth like Jesus is with Nicodemus, there will also be a sound when a new baby is born. You cannot receive the gift of the Spirit of God with silence. There is a sound of a rushing mighty wind. There's a sound. There's stammering lips in another tongue. This is what Old and New Testament both say. And so when we see this happen, now all of this, everything I've told you has been Old Testament prophets, Jesus' words, John the Baptist's words. It's all leading up to this moment. And if you could imagine this, if you're hungry for God, if you're looking for the promise, you want to be in this covenant that these prophets are all talking about, you're just waiting for the day. When is it coming? What does it look like? When is it going to be here? What is that going to be? I want to be a part of that. And the gospel of Luke ends with a brief snapshot of the last encounter between the resurrected Jesus and his disciples. And just before Jesus ascends heavenward on the mountain of olives, he says, he instructs the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem. He says, wait here. You're going to be endued with promise, but the promise from on high, but you need to stay here. And he also reminded them that John the Baptist baptized with water, but that soon the baptism of the Holy Spirit would come upon them as believers. But catch that. They were already believers, but they still needed the Spirit. Because the Spirit that is described in the Word does not come upon us the moment we believe. I know sometimes there's confusion in this. Well, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit because I'm a believer, but that's not what we see in Scripture. It's not to belittle your walk with God, your experience with God. I believe He's drawing you. As I said last week, that there's conception, there's life, but you have not yet been born again, according to what He's talking about. And so He says, you know what? Wait here. You're believers, but you're going to be born again, you're going to be filled with the Spirit. And so 120 disciples make their way from the Mount of Olives to an upper room in the city of Jerusalem. It is the Feast of Pentecost. That's why when I say I'm a Pentecostal, it's not a man-made religion I'm referring to. I'm talking about penta, meaning 50, after 50 days after the resurrection, that this is a time where they had festivals going on and they were in the city. People came from all over to Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost, something happens. So when I say I'm a Pentecostal, it simply means I adhere to that Pentecostal experience in Acts 2 that was poured out. That, 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 that's what I'm referring to. And so they all gather in this upper room, and in, in, in Acts 1 lists out even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. If anybody didn't need the Spirit, she was filled with the Spirit of God one time, right? But not with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Not in this manner. So even his own mom is in the upper room hungering for the Holy Ghost. And here they are. The moment (laughs) arrives. Everybody's coming in for this festival. And here's 120 of them in an upper room in Jerusalem. And they're all waiting and they're going, okay, is this it? He told us to wait. Jeremiah talked about it. Ezekiel talked about it. Isaiah talked about it. Jesus talked about it. John talked about it. Now's the time. And here they are in Acts 2 starts like this. It says, when the day of Pentecost, that festival day, was fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound. Oh, speaking in tones, of the Holy Ghost, that's all the devil. Really? Because scripture says the sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Wow. Just like what Jesus said to Nicodemus was going to happen. It says a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. They're sitting around. We think we even had to be kneeling, standing. They're sitting down and all of a sudden God enters the room. His Spirit, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and sat upon each of them. And they were, every last one of them, all of them, were filled with the Holy Ghost. How do we know, though? Because they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, you might go, yeah, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I ain't going up to that altar because I don't want to lose control of myself. And I might walk up there and start flopping on the floor. And God grabs my tongue and then I stand up and make a fool of myself and go, what just happened? That is not what's happening. The Bible says the Spirit gave them the utterance. And so, James says our tongue is the most unruly part of our body, so you might say it's nuts, this speaking in tongue stuff, but when you really study scripture, it's not. Because Jesus says, you know what? Humanity walked away from me in my first covenant with Adam and Eve. They walked away, but you know what? I'm gonna take the most unruly part of their entire fleshly body, and I'm gonna use that part if they are willing to yield it, if they're willing to trust me and begin to worship me. I'm gonna take that most unruly part and I will use it to bring glory to my name. I will use it as the sign that my spirit has now filled them. I'm going to use that, that, that thing that's so unruly. And so the spirit gives you the utterance. But if I sit here and go, I refuse. I believe in the Holy Ghost, but I'm not doing this. Guess what? He's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on you. I can promise you to give you my word. You will never receive the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't want it, So anybody I pray with, you come up here today and say, I want what you're talking about today. The first thing I'll say, do you believe the Holy Ghost? Do you believe you'll get it right now? If you say, eh, I'm not sure, then I'm not even praying with you. No disrespect to you, but unless you believe it and desire it, you want it and you desire it, I'm I'm not doing it. We can pray about your job, your family, whatever else, but we're not praying for the Holy Ghost. Because God, you're not going to get it until you can say, I want this. I might not even fully understand it, but I want it and I believe it's going to happen right now. Now, now it will happen because it is God's will for your life. I know you might've walked in, maybe you're a guest going, I came in just to check this place out. And here we're talking about a supernatural life-changing experience. But I just gotta say to you, why not now? What are we waiting for? We're not in this to just gather around and just play church. If God wants to get a hold of you right now, why not jump in and go, God, I don't want just little appetizers. I want the real thing. If you want to put your spirit in my life, then I want that. Give it to me. Give it to me today. I want it. I desire it. I long for it, Jesus. And so there was a a sound of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and they began to speak as the spirit gave them the utterance. So I still have to be the one. I can think you're a great person, but until I utter the vocal cords, it's just a thought in my mind. But once I utter the vocal cords and I say, you are a wonderful person. When I'm praising and worshiping God, I can start to feel his power and his presence. And until I speak out those sounds, I'm not filled. But once I in faith go, God, I'm going to be in to speak this out in the name of Jesus right now, and I just begin to speak out those sounds, he will fill you. Man, that sounds crazy. That sounds like supernatural stuff. Hey, no argument for me there. I'm right with you. It's supernatural. But we serve a God who always said, here's my covenant. Here's the sign of the covenant. Here's the covenant. Here's the sign. Abraham, here's the covenant. Here's what you need to do. Mo- Noah, uh, Moses, here's the covenant. Here's You're going to serve me on this mountain. Hey, I'm never going to destroy this earth with a flood. That's the covenant. Oh, here's the token of the covenant, the rainbow. He says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. But I know I created you a little skeptical. And you might say, eh, I'm not sure about all this. And you know what? You can go to churches, no disrespect to them, where you could read about 60, 60 words on a card and say, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I've accepted the Lord. And you walk out and you might get in your car and go, man, that was it? Why didn't I do that longer or earlier? But you might be going, but, but there's still something missing. I didn't feel anything. Nothing was transformed in me. In this church we believe it's more than reading prayer that I wrote or anybody else wrote. We believe that you can come into the presence of God and say God forgive me of my sins I am sorry and I want to live different and as you begin to worship Him you're going to feel a supernatural power from God and when you begin to worship Him you begin to speak in tongues in words and sounds that you've never spoke before and when you get in that car you might be going oh my Lord I don't know I can't even fully understand what that was, but I want it, I got it, and that was powerful. That was supernatural. And they began to speak in tongues, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. This right here is the birth of the New Testament church. This is it. Soon a crowd is gathering around. They're hearing people speaking in tongues, and they're from every nation. In that first occurrence, people actually heard them speaking the languages of the different places. That does not happen every time, but you will always speak something you've never understood. It's not going to necessarily be German and Italian and Spanish and and Swahili or whatever. No, it's, 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 it's going to be sounds that you do not understand but as you begin to speak these sounds the first time they're sitting there and they're hearing these words and they're going how do these guys are these guys aren't educated how do they speak in my language you know what I bet you they're drunk anybody ever been drunk or been around someone who's drunk <laughs> like nobody wants to admit this there's like three people like, uh, we're in church. I, I, I can't admit that I've ever been drunk or been around somebody that's been drunk, so two people just are honest right now. <sighs> Some of you have been so hammered drunk you didn't even know where you were the next day. Don't lie to me. But God. But here's the thing. You ever been around somebody drunk or drunk yourself? You don't wax more eloquent. <laughs> I used to work in restaurants. Guys would come in at 4 o'clock for happy hour, and sometimes they would stay till 7. They did not walk in slurring words and leave going, hey, brother, it's good to see you. I'll see you again next week. No, they're like, eh, you know, it's, it's different. It changes. So they don't wax more eloquent. So he's like, Peter stands up with the 11, Bible says, and he begins to preach to them. Remember the Peter, the one that denied Christ and didn't have boldness, and he was hiding out saying, I don't know the man at the, at the time of the crucifixion? Now all of a sudden he's filled with the Holy Ghost and he's standing up going, oh, I got boldness now because Acts 1.8 says I've been filled with the Holy Ghost to be a witness. And so now he has power. He's got authority. All of a sudden he stands up and he goes, I got to tell you about what you're seeing. These men are not drunk like you suppose they're drunk. This is the third hour of the day, okay? A Jewish time clock goes from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., so it's 9 in the morning. You start at six, third hour, seven, eight, Nine, nine in the morning. Ain't nobody getting drunk at nine in the morning, at least not then. Maybe today now, but not so much then. And he's going, it's the third hour of the day. They're not drunk like you suppose. And then he says something and he says, but this is that. I have people that I've gotten into discussions with and they'll go, I just don't think that that Acts 2 experience in my theological perspective. I don't think that Acts 2 experience is the fulfillment of what Joel was talking about in Joel chapter 2. And I will say... With all due respect, this is not me against you. It's you against Peter. Peter's the one that associated what had just taken place. And he's the one that said, you're questioning what's going on right now. And I will tell you, this right here, the evidence, the people speaking in tongues filled with the Spirit of God, this is that. Joel talked about it, and we have been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years for this very moment, and I will tell you, this is that, and this is what we have been waiting for, and so keeps preaching. And people think Acts 2 is is a message about the Holy Ghost. It is. It is not. The message, it is a message all about Jesus Christ. But where Jesus is preached, the Holy Ghost naturally will be poured out because it's his plan. So he just starts preaching Jesus and they get to Acts 2 37 and it says they were pricked in their heart and they were feeling something in their heart. They might not have been able to understand everything. Like some of us might go, ah, this is the first time I've heard this. I'm not really sure about this. But they were pricked in their hearts. Something in them was going, what is this? What can we do with what you're talking about, Peter? This is powerful. I feel it. And Peter stands up and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Talked about that last week. But then he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He tells them, this is that. And and it's for anybody. That wants it. He's like, if you want this, then you just got to repent, be baptized, and God will fill you with his spirit. And guess what they did with that? Look at Acts 2.41. Verse 41 says, then they gladly received his word, and they were baptized. In the same day were added to the church 3,000 souls. Oh, I just could never imagine that in 2023. Are you kidding me? Look at the people lining up and universities. It's time for thousands of people at one time to start being added to churches in America. It's time for thousands of people to start getting baptized to where we have to start saying, hey, Holiday Inn. Hey, Comfort Inn. Hey, Marriott. Can we borrow your pool? Right now we got a church where there's several thousand people that want to get baptized. Is there any way we could just rent your swimming pool because we're sending about 200 there and 200 there and 200 there I know you might say this church is nuts no 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 I just want what they had in the book of Acts I just want what God's plan was for his people I'm not looking to just get together on Sunday at 2, from 2 to 3, sing a couple of choruses, shake a few hands, and then I stand at the back door and greet you and your family as you leave. That's not what I want. I want a people that say, I want God. I want more of God. I'm hungry for God. I want to grow with God. I want to see more people touched and filled and changed. I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. I want people to know that this is a place you can bring the sick, the lame, those with cancer. Those with blindness, I want this to be that place. And so, if Peter was commissioned by Jesus Christ to bring the message, then I think I can trust him too. And if this is what he preached, that's what I'm going to preach. In verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in breaking of bread and prayers. You look at other instances, and I know we're going to keep it moving, but I want you to see these biblical things so you don't think I just grabbed one or two things out of context. I want you to get the whole big picture. Philip was in Samaria. He was a New Testament preacher. He preached Jesus Christ, the same message that that Peter preached, to the Samaritans, and God confirmed his message with signs following. People were healed. If you read through Acts 8, devils were cast out. The city was filled with great joy. The Samaritans accepted Philip's message. They were baptized in Jesus' name, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. And the Samaritans They're there, and when news of what is happening in Samaria reaches Jerusalem, the apostles send Peter and John to investigate because, whoa, hang on here a second. This was a cool thing when just us Israelites, us Jews, were experiencing this. But now that guy's out there preaching to the Samaritans. We hate the Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. And now the Samaritans are getting baptized. Whoa, 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 Peter and John, we need to go check this out. And they go, in verse 14, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent down Peter and John, who when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. They were only baptized. How were they baptized? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, because that's the way they baptized them. But they hadn't yet been filled with the Holy Ghost. So Peter and John seem to have this idea, cool, we got the Holy Ghost. Let's just go pray for them and see what happens. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, that scripture, some naysayers want to go, but see, eh," doesn't say they spoke in tongues. Really, you're right. But if you're writing a book, like Luke was recording this information do you really have to keep repeating the exact same thing over and over and over and over again? But even that argument, let's take it a step further. Obviously, something was seen and heard because Simon the sorcerer was there, and he starts trying to buy what Peter and John have. He's going, watch this just, You just laid hands, and I saw and heard something. I want to buy what you have. And he's going, no, 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 you can't buy this. Because why? There was something they could see and hear. That was happening. Go to Acts chapter 10. A man named Cornelius. Scripture says he's a devout man. Gave alms. Gave to the poor. Probably a better man than most of us. Great guy part of a centurion, the the band called the Italian band, a devout man. He saw a vision, Acts 10.3 says, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God had come to him and and said unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and, and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Pause there, because sometimes people want to say, yeah, but this message that you're preaching, what about the person in the jungle? What about the person in this country? What about this Person that doesn't have internet. What about the person over here? And we're always wanting to, to, to talk about hypothetical situations. Listen, in Acts 8, God Paul pulls Philip from Samaria and takes him to the middle of the desert to reach an Ethiopian eunuch. Here, God sends a dream and a vision to a man named Cornelius to go call for a preacher who's gonna come and preach just to his family, not a whole city, not a whole nation at first. God knows where you are, he knows where your grandma is, your uncle is, your cousin is, your brother, your Sister, he knows that, and God, if he knows someone's hungry for him, he will send someone to the middle of a jungle, to the middle of a desert. You don't have to worry about if they're gonna get truth or not. God will make sure that they find a way. And he says, You know, your prayers are come up. He says, Send men to Joppa. Call for Simon whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon the Tanner whose house is by the seaside. And he's going to tell you what you need to do. Well, that's interesting because he sounds like a believer to me. And if all you need to do is believe and you're saved, why is he doing anything else? But no, that's not the case. Belief was crucial. It's what got him started. It's It's what went up before the Lord. And he says, I know you're hungry for me and I got something more for you to do. Not meaning you need to do it to be saved. Our actions don't save us, but our response to the plan does save us. And so he says, call on this guy. He's going to tell you what you need to do. This is why scripture says to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And so Cornelius gathers a small crowd in anticipation for this man, Peter's visit. And he's going to say, you know what? Give me this instruction. And look what happens. Peter shows up. Sure enough, he summons them just like God tells him to. And Peter shows up in Acts ten forty four It says, while Peter yet spoke these words. Guys, I want you to know you don't even need to wait until the end of this message to be filled with the Holy Ghost. While I'm preaching this word, you can begin to worship God and he will just fill you with his spirit right where you are sitting. And it says, while he was speaking the word, while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, meaning the Jewish people, which were believed, they were astonished. They were shocked, the people that came with Peter, because now all of a sudden the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, like probably most of us, oh, they started getting the Holy Ghost. Well, how did they know that they got the Holy Ghost? Great question. Verse 46 says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so Peter, I'm wondering if Peter was pumped, excited, if he was like, I mean, he after all, he was the one that was checking and making sure, is this just for Jews, is it for Gentiles? What do we got going here? And Peter's like, uh. And verse 48, he commanded them. I'm wondering if he's like, well, they got the Holy Ghost. I guess we might as well baptize them too. After all, I preached that message in Acts 2. And if God's given them the Holy Ghost, then we better get them baptized in Jesus' name. If you're here and you say, well, what am I supposed to do first? The only first thing that we know is repentance. Beyond that, you can get baptized and then get the Holy Ghost. You can get the Holy Ghost and then get baptized. Because we have biblical evidence for it being both done both ways. And so these are the same experiences. And then you go to Paul at Ephesus, and I'm not going to be much longer. As the book of Acts progressed, Luke, the writer, switched his attention from Peter to Paul. And Paul becomes the primary apostle to the Gentiles, traveling throughout Asia Minor and into Europe. And on his third missionary journey, Paul, having passed through the coasts, upper coasts of Ephesus, it says, there he met some disciples of John the Baptist. And look at the question that Paul asks John the Baptist's disciples. We read this last week in context of baptism. He says, It came to pass, they were there, and Paul, having passed through, he found them, and he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Now, again, if you received God's Spirit the minute you believe, then Paul just asked the stupidest question in human history. Because if we all get the Holy Ghost for the minute we believe, then why'd you ask? But that's not what happens. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we haven't even heard about this Holy Ghost and, and we're, not, we're not sure. What are you talking about? And Paul says, well, unto what then were you baptized? Well, we were baptized by John the Baptist. John's baptism. Paul said, hey, John, verily baptized. I'm not belittling his baptism. He, he baptized unto repentance. But now there's one that's come after him. His name's Christ Jesus. And there's a new baptism with a name. When they heard this, they were rebaptized. You, you've been here? You've never been baptized in the name of Jesus? We have biblical evidence for being rebaptized by immersion in the name of Jesus. Yeah. But he doesn't stop there because then they get baptized. In verse 6, when Paul lays his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12. Folks, hear me. Paul preached the same message Peter preached, the same message that was prophesied by all the Old Testament prophets, the same message that Jesus prophesied about, the same message that believers started to experience around the world at that time, and the same message that I am standing here preaching in this pulpit in 2023. You don't have to drive anywhere for a spiritual experience It is here, and God will not just meet you here and you could be in his presence. He will actually meet you, and he will fill you with his spirit if you so desire. When you read these instances, some were Jews, some were Gentiles, some were followers of John, some were not. Some prophesied when they got the Holy Ghost. Others did not. But one thing was always the case. When someone was receiving the spirit of God, they spoke with other tongues. And if you're here and you go, yeah, but you talk about this gift of tongues. And when I go to 1 Corinthians, it talks about Paul and the the gift of tongues. Uh, And this is where sometimes we use language that might confuse people. Because I say, oh, you could get the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then, oh, you could have a spiritual gift of tongues. Just understand that Acts was a recording of when the church was being born, people were being saved. Corinthians is a letter to a church where people had already been baptized and already been speaking in tongues and filled with the Spirit. And so Paul lists out nine spiritual gifts. He will say the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, word, interpretation of tongues, tongues itself. And so that is one of the spiritual gifts for the church and for edifying the church and as a sign to those that don't believe. But that is not talking about the initial Sign of being filled with God's Spirit. So, speaking in tongues for the initial sign of receiving the Holy Ghost is different than the gift of the Spirit that is speaking in tongues. I know that that can get confusing, especially when we use language like, oh, you could get the gift of the Holy Ghost today. But that's not, these are two separate things. The gift of speaking, the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, his plan for your salvation is for every single person. The gift of tongues, one of the nine spiritual gifts in Corinthians, is not for every single person. You may have one or two or three of those gifts, and it might not be tongues. That's something different than the initial sign that he has now filled you with his spirit. So I just need to clarify that. But the biblical way to experience the spirit that Jesus told Nicodemus about, that we see all through scripture, is a people who repent of their sins, who begin to worship God and hunger for him, and he will fill them with his spirit. And he is going to love you so much that he gives you evidence. So you don't walk out going, was that it? I'm not sure. Is, is that, do I have it now? Do I not have it? He is so loving to you that he will make sure that you know you've got it. You've got it. And that's why when Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, I, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. The Holy Ghost is like a birth certificate for new birth. It says we're heirs to God's promises and inheritance because of verses like this. Look at Romans 8, 9. This is a pretty, pretty important verse ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. He writes this to a church. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Man, when I read that, I'm going, my Lord, give me the spirit. Give me the spirit. I want to be one of your children. I want to be in the family. I want, I want this. Oh, are you guys trying to say, I'm not trying to say nothing. I'm just reading scripture to you. God wants to fill anyone and everyone right now. If you're here, ain't nobody going to make you come up here right now. Unfilled people line up. Like we're not doing that. You want God? We're going to open these altars. I'm telling you, just come out of where you're sitting come to this front if you want come find me just say hey you talked about I don't know if I fully understand everything but I want that I want what you got I want what you're talking about I want what scripture's telling about I want that experience and I will pray with you and you hear me it's not oh I promise you my promises are worthless God promises you you will get his spirit after all it's Luke 11 Luke 11 verse 9 Look what he says. I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. He says, if a son ask bread of any of you that's a father, will you give him a stone? I don't know. There's not. We're not all great dads in here, but I know a lot of dads is like, Dad, I'm so hungry. I just want some bread. And you're like, here, take stone. Or if he asks for a fish, you give him a serpent. Or if he wants an egg, those are expensive these days. You'll give him a scorpion. Nobody does that. And Jesus says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? If you are here, I want you to understand, you might not even go, how does this work? What does this look like? God, you want Him. You want His Spirit in your heart. You begin to worship Him. You repent of your sins. It's going to happen. Something supernatural, spiritually is going to happen, and here's how bad God wants you to have it, and I'll close with this story. My dad had come out of a drug and alcohol lifestyle. He had tried to teach his father. His father was raised in Catholicism, and Catholicism was just definitely, of course, if you're here, you know that's a, this, this is a little bit crazier than Catholicism, a little more laid back, and so my dad taught him a Bible study. My grandpa was like, I got to find out what in the world caused you to walk away from your whole life of drugs and alcohol and get in. And and now you're a holy roller. Like, what happened? So my dad taught him this Bible study. And he started coming to church. My grandpa did. And he'd come and he'd kneel very reverently at the altar. And he'd start to get stammering lips. He'd feel God so strong. And his eyes would well up with tears. And he'd he'd just stop because it'd freak him out. And he'd stand up and walk out. And get close to getting the Holy Ghost. But see, when you get that close, you got to at some point release that meaning, not just lose control of yourself, but start speaking the sounds that you're feeling yourself led to to say. And even if you don't understand what you're saying, it's going to sound like sounds. And so he's sitting there and and he just, he, he tried so many times, just couldn't get it. Wouldn't let himself get it. And I went to a church in Wisconsin that had 1,400 people. And it was Brother Stone King is there, and he's preaching. And if you've ever heard Brother Stone King, unfortunately, he's not traveling as much now. And, but uh, if you've ever heard him preach, very prophetic man, incredible. I could tell you story after story after story after story about, personally, about God, ways God used him prophetically. But he has everybody stand, and he's wrapping up his message, just like I'm doing right now. And he's just sharing some thoughts, and he's just Talking. Now, he doesn't know my family, He doesn't know my grandpa, he doesn't know our situation. And he's a visiting minister, He's just just p- passing through the area. and he's just walking like this, and he stops, and he goes, "You need the Holy Ghost." And climbs over pews. And he goes up to my grandpa out of 1,400 people and lays hands on my grandpa. My grandpa starts speaking in tongues and receives the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, church, God will move heaven and earth to reach one person. If you are here, that's a personal story. If you are here, you might be going, I don't know, listen, why wait? God loves you so much. That he wants to put his spirit inside of you and dwell with you and walk with you. Not just meet with you once a week at a location. He wants to be with you always, even to the end of the world. And so I invite you right now to stand to your feet and I'll invite every person. I don't care whether you got the Holy Ghost, don't got the Holy Ghost. Begin to just find a place at the front to pray. There's something about, I'm telling you, just walking out of that comfort zone of that that seat that I'm sitting in, just walk out of where you're comfort and and, and just go begin to just find a place to pray. I'm telling you, if you just begin to raise your hands and, and begin to worship Him and begin to just repent of your sins, God will fill you. He wants this more than I want it. He wants it more than you want it. He knows right where you are. He has a plan for your salvation. That's what this entire series has been about. He wants, he calls us to repent of our sins, to be baptized in his beautiful name, which is Jesus. He wants to fill you with this spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He's got a plan for you. He wants to get, have you live an over, an, an empowered life, an overcoming life, one where you can't do it by yourself, but by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can be an overcomer thing that has tried to keep you captive it can be broken by the power of the spirit god's got a plan for you